Today, I have a returning guest, one of my favorites, actually. He is Dr. Doug Finneprock, an emergency medicine physician. He's dedicated his career toward teaching effective ways to improve the patient experience with continuous academic quality improvement. His academic career began in 2006 as a faculty instructor of the medical students at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine in the Bronx, New York. He then became the Assistant EM Residency Program Director at Mount Sinai Beth Israel Medical Center in Manhattan, where he was voted Faculty Teacher of the Year in his first year. Doug now serves as the Vice Chair of the Emergency Department at Hackensack University Medical Center in New Jersey. And this busy ER department has 125 annual visits, annual patient visits. He's also the director of emergency medicine residency program that he founded in 2013. The program is now the largest EM residency program in New Jersey with 36 total residents. In 2018, Doug became the vice chair of the department of EM of the new Hackensack Meridian School of Medicine at Seton Hall. He has partnered with the Sullivan Group to create the online video communication patient set program that is designed to improve the patient experience as well as HCAPS scores. Physicians and nurses in over 300 hospitals throughout the country have used the patient set program as noted on his website, bepatientcentered.com. That's bepatientcentered.com. And Doug is also a contributor to our upcoming charity patient safety anthology titled Highway to Heart, Humor and Honesty in Healthcare. And I am quite happy to spend time with him again. So welcome back to the show, Doug. Thanks, Pat. So great to be back and great to hear from you again. Oh, my. It's great to have you back. You're a fellow Ohio person, yes? That's right. That's right. Proud right. to be from Ohio and have a lot of great family and friends still there. So <laughs> always looking for an excuse to come back. Anytime. You're welcome to visit us. Our radio flagship stations are in Ohio, so it's good to have an Ohio man back with us today. So, Doug, your focus has been on teaching bedside manner. Why did that interest you? It's really something I felt that was a gap in healthcare and healthcare education. Traditionally, medical students and medical schools have focused on the importance of knowledge and the importance of acquiring knowledge to ultimately uh, make appropriate diagnoses and care plans. But what many of us have quickly realized and are focusing on in our future is, is it's really about the ability to engage with patients. And it's really about the ability to create a shared partnership with patients and their families to focus on their goals. And if the patient's not able to um, be a partner in that experience and, and they don't feel comfortable with the physician, trust the physician, then truly the outcome of their care is not the same. So just feel there's so much value for us in terms of educating our physicians or nurses and everyone on the healthcare team about the importance of empathy, engagement, and, and truly putting themselves in the perspective of the patient. It just feels really good to be a part of this work. I feel like we're, we're doing a nice job with, with helping our healthcare workers be able to uh, connect much better with their patients. And that's why I feel very much aligned with you, Doug. I always have since I found out about the work that you're doing, because I do think that just something as simple as improving bedside manner can actually improve so many quality and patient safety outcomes. And I say simple, obviously it's not because we're still working on it. And you have the patient set program. And I like set stands for satisfaction every time, 
where you have online multimedia videos with professional actors playing real clinical scenarios. Talk about that for a bit, uh, why you're doing that and, and what you're seeing as far as how that's helping improve this bedside manner that we so desperately need. Well, it was something that was created out of the concept of uh, providing education that was peer-to-peer. So as a um, young medical student and resident and um, uh, faculty attending, there are many scenarios that I would see in real time that, that clearly were not the best practice when it comes to truly engaging patients and having good patient interac- interactions and communication. So the video scenarios actually came from all real scenarios that I, I had seen in practice. And the reason that's successful is that when physicians or nurses are learning from uh, peer to peer, they're able to appreciate that these are real examples. It's not just communication tools that are generic. It's really real-time examples and um, clinical examples of things that they see and they can appreciate. And what we actually did is we created those examples that actually shows the clinicians how the the errors in communication lead to truly patient adverse uh, outcomes and adverse errors. That was a strategy that was to help get the buy-in for the learners that are taking the courses. Mm -hmm. We then follow up and show the correct way to do it and debrief and discuss how that communication technique really makes a difference in the uh, care of the patients. Those videos are so fun to watch because they're not far off track, especially the wrong ones, where you you see somebody come in and speak very rushed and hurriedly to the patient and the family member, and I think people can relate to that. And then the second one comes in and sit down and look at the people in their eyes. And I like one of the things you do is you do at least one non-medical gesture. Everything's so clinical. And let's talk about that because I think that's a small thing, but it's huge. Absolutely. So... It's about really showing the patients that you care and you, and you care about them as a person, not just as a patient. So one of the things we teach uh, our students and residents is, is the concept that it's not about just being the smartest doctor because from the patient's perspective, uh, one of the quotes I like to use is, patients don't care how much you know until they think you care. Mm-hmm. So the first thing we need to do is establish on, during the initial encounter is how to make a great first impression how to show the patients and their family that that we're someone who they can care, they can trust, and that are going to be a great partner with them in their health care. I think that's the critical first step when we we talk about this. It's so true, whether it's health care or business or, you know, out on the golf course, the first time you meet somebody really, and it's trite, but you do never get a second chance to make a good first impression. Give us an example of some of the non-medical gestures that a healthcare provider, doctor or nurse could uh, extend to a patient that would make them feel comfortable. Absolutely. So first of all, you said comfortable. I think asking that question directly, are you comfortable? Asking them, are they comfortable? Do they want the lights down if they're having a headache? Would they like to adjust the, the position of the stretcher if they're there with abdominal pain or some discomfort. So it's truly showing empathy and asking them, are you comfortable? What can I do to help you be more comfortable? Showing them how they can reach out to us. Giving it an easy access to us uh, is also uh, very much appreciative. And being respectful of their time as well as whether they may be hungry. Again, I work in an emergency department setting, so a lot of complexity to the environment of any emergency department. So what our goal is truly is to have physicians, clinicians, healthcare workers really show empathy, really connect, and really show right from the beginning that they care about patients as people, 
and ask them those questions directly. What can I do to make you more comfortable? We like to begin the encounter with actually saying, how can I help you today? And many times we know they might be here for one reason or another, but the, the concept from the beginning is that we're there to help them and we're going to be um, great partners in their care that they can trust and, uh, and do something great together to help, them, to help them get better. Wow. Can you imagine if a doctor walked in and said, how can I make things better for you? How can I help you? I mean, that's just so warm and human. Um, I think it would turn the whole encounter all the way around. And, and speaking of that, because you, you are so familiar with the emergency room, I want to ask this question. I want to talk about the differences, if there are any, in provider behavior in the ER versus on the floor of the hospital. And I ask this because, and I wonder, because I had the opportunity to spend hours and hours at our local hospital's emergency department with my mom during a full 10-year period probably four to five times each year and at least seven or eight hours each time. And I was often quite impressed how scores of people quickly moved in and out to tend to her. And it often left me with a feeling like I had just watched a well-choreographed dance. And I was left with the impression, despite that it was such an emergency situation, that these encounters often displayed much more heart and humanness then I felt once we were admitted and arrived on the cardiology or telemetry floor, and it seems counterintuitive to think that people in an emergency situation would have the time or even the thought to behave in such a heart-based way. So my question is, is my experience off base or is there something to my observation? Thanks for sharing that experience because I think that's a, that's a great perspective. The um, emergency team is human. I think that it's challenging at times based upon the variety of things of, are, that are happening. Our true goal and one of the reasons we, we have the concept about every time, about behaviors every time, is that the best emergency practitioners recognize the fact that a patient's coming in perhaps during their most worrisome moments and the importance of that moment and making a first impression to be someone that, that cares that they can trust is invaluable. And it doesn't matter how many patients you have or what the last patient scenario was and uh, very challenging scenarios that the best ones have the ability to start scratch, walk into the room with a clean slate and show that empathy from the beginning. And it's not easy. They're um, you know, recognizing that patients are fearful of, of what might be happening to them they may not have received communication, even basic communication, in terms of what the EKG looked like if they're there for chest pain, and they don't know who the physician is. Unlike the way things are today where a lot of times we can select our physicians, and even if we don't select them, we can get some background information about them. It's different in the emergency department, so you're literally trusting the system, and you're trusting essentially the gateway to the hospital and the, and the hospital's network. So we do focus on the emergency department providers as key ambassadors, so to speak, for the hospital, but on an individual level, being able to recognize the, the importance of the moment because it does make a big impact in someone's life with that situation of people very fearful of what might be happening to them. In terms of the organized machine, that's, that's really something that we continue to focus on is our teamwork and our interactions. And it's something that a lot of emergency departments are focusing their attention on. They're designing systems and, and workflows to try to maximize the team because truly that's what we see. The patients and families see how, how the team works together and how they support each other and 
it can be a very beautiful thing when it's done well, even with all the challenges that are uh, present in the emergency departments. I guess I never thought about the ER being that first touch point for many patients. And as you said, they are key ambassadors. Very, very interesting. And how important for that uh, frontline group of people to uh, kind of display what the hospital wants to, maybe the image that they want to portray to the community. Absolutely. Absolutely. And actually, when we talk about things such as age caps and performance measures, it's really getting the feedback from the community about how the hospital's doing. Uh, a great percentage of the patients that are ultimately admitted to the hospital come through the emergency department. Mm-hmm. So it's very important that we put our best foot forward. And although it might be a very, very busy place, that we show empathy at every moment. And, and I'm always impressed by how any individual team member can be the one to make a big impact in a patient or family's life. Mm-hmm. So it really truly is the whole team in terms of uh, defining the experience for patients and their family. One person can turn it one way or the other, so that's very, very critical. You mentioned HCAPs. Let's go there for one minute. It's been several years now since the implementation of HCAP scores for CMS payments and patient satisfaction survey scores. Has pay for performance performed? Thinking about it, first of all, on individual levels, I think something that's been great is that there's been a sense of accountability Um, that hospital systems have in regards to how they're doing. Some of the positive things that have come out of that accountability is some of these systems have been able to receive direct feedback and patient comments. So there's really nothing stronger than than hearing it directly from the patients and areas how we can improve, uh, as well as hearing areas that we're doing well to reinforce positive behaviors. I think that's been a great part of this process. I think it becomes very challenging in terms of measuring and comparing hospitals that are very unique and difficult to compare with each other in a standard way. So I think that's been a challenge overall and a challenge, I'm sure, for CMS and those that are designing this. But, you know, at its core, I think that it's, it's a good thing that we're, um, we're asked to perform at a level that's transparent and accountable uh, for that. Yeah, that's so true. The demographics of each hospital would be quite different, and I would imagine big city hospital versus a small, tiny community hospital, things are obviously different there. So to try to compare those as apples to apples would be difficult. And you do work, we're talking about different demographics now, you are now teaching a human dimensions course at the Hackensack Meridian School of Medicine, where you work with students out in the community to address healthcare disparities and the many causes of health inequities. That's very, very fascinating and very relevant. Share some of your work and findings there, if you would. Oh, I'd be happy to. So this is is a wonderfully innovative course in medical education. So our founding dean, uh, Benita Stanton, has an amazing vision that she shared with all of us. And it's truly the focus of the future of our physicians to be really connected to the community. What I love about this course and about that vision is that what it truly does is it really takes students outside of the classroom and really builds a framework for them to be able to understand their patients in their patients' shoes, in their patients' homes, in their patients' communities. So as part of the work that we're doing, the course is directed by uh, Dr. Carmela Ricchetti and Assistant Course Director Karen Lofman. The way the course is organized is that right from the very beginning, Students are assigned patients in the community uh, that we refer to as our VPs, our Voices Program. 
And so from the very beginning of their medical education, they're learning what it's like to be a patient in a particular community. They're learning particularly uh, we refer to as the social determinants of health. So we understand now that the success of a patient and the outcomes of their health care is not just about the doctors they see and how smart the doctors are the way medical education traditionally was. It's about thinking about the context of their community and about the elements of their health that have the greatest impact. So as an example, if you see a patient, you determine that their blood pressure is high and you say, you need to start this blood pressure medicine, this is what we're gonna do. Well, the ultimate outcome doesn't have to do with just determining they need blood pressure medicine. It's about understanding where they live. Are they able to actually access food that has lower sodium content or that's more nutritious? Are they able to access in a safe way the ability to exercise in the evening if you're suggesting an exercise routine? And how about that medication you prescribed? Is that reasonable based upon their income and, and their, um, their economics overall? So these are the questions that we're actually thinking and, and having the students literally be in the homes, uh, meeting with these patients, studying their communities, going to community events, and furthermore, working with community organizations to better understand how they can help the communities as a partner, physicians with the community organizations, I think is gonna be revolutionary. And it goes back to the concepts of communication and truly goes back to the, the basic concept of being able to imagine yourself in someone else's world and literally going there to appreciate what their world's like. I feel strongly it's gonna make them better doctors, it's gonna help them empathize, it's gonna help them individualize their care, it's gonna help them become better listeners and really, really be a great thing overall. The other aspect of this course that we do is a lot of focus on their own uh, professional development. And so the students are continuously asking themselves, what are their core values? What type of physician do they wanna be? What's important to them? And it focuses a lot about their wellness. So something I've certainly come to appreciate, Pat, over, over several years now is that we need to take care of our physicians and our healthcare workers so that they can best take care of their patients. So the focus on their wellness, on discussing ways that they can debrief from difficult encounters and going through uh, some of the challenges we have when, when patients' outcomes aren't good, when patients die, and being able to debrief from that, being able to um, kind of understand and have an outlet really helps to emphasize the importance of the, um, the healthcare uh, worker in terms of their wellness and their overall well-being. Oh my, you touched on so many wonderful things there. You know, we're asking providers to be empathetic, but how could you be empathetic to something that you have never experienced? And you talk about walking a mile in someone else's shoes if, if you've never experienced that before. And secondly, you, you're talking about healthcare providers and looking after their health. Well, you can't really ask a provider to give something that they no longer have or that they don't have to give. So if they're burned out, there's nothing left. And to expect something from someone who has nothing left to give is setting up the whole system to fail. So I think this is such a profound project that you're working on. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's really enjoy the work and have some wonderful partners here that share common uh, values in terms of our focus mm -hmm. on overall wellness. Is this true that there are certain demographics who receive better care or worse care than others? 
It is true, actually. You know, when we when we look at how we do as a country and our overall healthcare outcomes, it's pretty poor relative to other developing countries. One of the main reasons for that is disparities we have in terms of our in terms of our healthcare outcomes. So, being able to be immersed in that in the community to understand the disparities, to research the disparities, and to create programs to eliminate disparities is really helping us overall improve our healthcare overall for everyone. Mm-hmm. And so there's a there's a wonderful movement, and this Human Dimension course is part of that. The goal in this course is for us to understand, to have students that are familiar, if they don't have the direct experience of living in the communities uh, where there's disparities or, or having that upbringing, then, then they're going to get the experience studying and, and working and researching in those communities. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, it's, it goes back to the basic concept of trying to put yourself in someone else's shoes to best understand how to help them. You hear about non-compliant patients. Well, maybe they're non-compliant for a reason. And so to get out into the community and find out what really goes on would clean that up as well. Definitely, definitely. So that's what we're finding. And it's it's the tip of the iceberg, but, you know, it takes visionaries like Dean Stanton and the deans and the faculty we have here at uh, Hackensack Meridian School of Medicine, as well as Bob Garrett, our CEO, who's truly had the vision to, to sort of develop this relationship with the community that, you know, I think it takes leaders like them to be able to create such a movement like this. Wow. And people like you to do all the work that you do. I'm so pleased and proud to share this today with our listeners. Thank you so much. All right. So where can folks go then to find out more about you, your work? How can they contact you? One of my primary roles is actually as a residency director uh, at Hackensack University Medical Center, part of the Hackensack Meridian Network. So I think depending what people are interested in looking at, I think there's a lot of wonderful work we're doing in the residency program as well as the School of Medicine. I do have a website, bepatientcenter.com, that shares free videos and examples, some of the work that we have as well. So that actually has some contact information on uh, bepatientcenter.com. My email is uh, douglas.finnefrock at hackensackmeridian.org which is a long one, but we'll uh, try to get that out there. (laughs) Okay. So let me spell your name. It's Dr. Doug Finnefrock, F-I-N-E-F-R-O-C-K. Dr. Doug Finnefrock, his website is bepatientcentered.com. So that might be an easy way to start, and you can find out other ways through there. Doug, any final words before we head out today? Well, I just really appreciate what you're doing, Pat, and so many wonderful people that you meet. I mean, it, it truly takes the strength of many, many leaders to change a system. And what I love about your programming and what you do, you're really able to focus on what matters. And what matters is really taking care of patients the best way we can, taking care of families and communities, challenging ourselves in terms of the quality of work that we do. And really, when it comes down to it, is always getting better. So I was proud to see, uh, literally on Monday, our um, branding for our network is saying, keep getting better for all of us. So I think that's pretty cool. So I think that just speaks towards something that we all strive to do and something that, you know, we we never get tired of, of doing some great work. Oh, thank you. Keep getting better. Dr. Doug Finnefrock, I'm so happy to have you here today. You're one of my favorites. And I think after folks listen to this segment, they're going to know why. Thank you for today. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate it. Take care. 
Listen to Pat Rulo and Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio. Stay safe from little-known healthcare and hospital hazards. To learn more, go to speakupandstayalive.com. That's speakupandstayalive.com.